the Sunday Sermons Podcast. And what a blessing to worship together. And thank you for being here today. If you're new here, um, my name is John, and I'm normally the one who speaks about this time in the service. Actually, that's true all the time, whether you're new here or not. That's my name is always John, and I normally. <laughs> but I'm really excited today. We get to introduce a guest speaker. This is Camden, and that's Tyler. They are here from Johnson University, which is one of the. Uh, it's not really a mission, but it's definitely one of the mission things that we support, and we, we believe in that school. I actually know Camden from the mm-hmm. one class that I teach out there, and uh, he did very well, by the way, so it's awesome. Hope so. I'm excited to hear what he brings. <laughs> Would you give both of them a warm welcome and listen to what the Spirit wants to tell us this morning? Thank you so much. Well... Whether it's sitting down and and reading the newest John Grisham novel or taking a trip with my family to the movies uh, or or sitting down to rewatch the Andy Griffith show for the 15th time, I love a good story. Those that know me well can attest to the uh, many conversations that run long into the night about movies that have just come out or, or different things that we think might be happening in the Marvel Universe or whatever it is. Um. But I love a good story. And that's something I really love about Scripture. You know, you can, you can read Scripture, and there's all kinds of different versions. Uh, there's Psalms where it's, it's songs and emotions kind of written out on a page. Or Ecclesiastes, which is kind of like a, a research paper almost. Um, you, can, you can read Paul's letters, and it's kind of the basis for our faith. But most, uh, most of the Bible is written in story. Um, whether it's Judges and, and Chronicles and all of the Old Testament stuff, or, or maybe you're going to the Gospels and you're reading of, of Jesus' parables that he teaches on. Um, well, today we're looking at a great story, but it, it's not one that Jesus teaches on. It's not uh, a lost sheep or a lost coin. It's actually something that he lives out himself. Uh, it's a story you've probably heard before, um, and it's a story you probably know in your own life. It's a story about temptation. Temptation comes at us in, in so many different ways, whether it's a situation that, that pops up over and over and over or, or something you hear every single day. Temptation is something we face every day. And if it's something we face every day, that, then we should be ready for it, right? Right? So how do we get ready for when temptation comes our way? Well, before we jump into this, I want to back up and provide a little backstory and and base knowledge before we we go into our full story. Uh, In Luke chapter 3, we see Jesus is baptized. This is a huge moment. I, I was talking a minute ago about books and movies. This is like that moment in the movie where everything stops and everybody just goes, whoa. It's that moment in a book where you just have to put it down and just look over at the person next to you who doesn't know what you're reading and go, did you read that? And they're like, what are you talking about? This is big. We see the clouds open up and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. We hear a voice that says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is big. So what happens next? 
You, you might expect some kind of fanfare, a, a big loud uh, applause from everyone in the crowd or something. Uh, maybe the Bible talks about how the disciples congratulate Jesus after this. But it might be a little bit different than what you expect. You might be looking for something like that, but if we look at Luke 4, um, starting in verse 1, we read this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Well, duh, he was hungry. I mean, it was 40 days. <laughs> I can't go 40 minutes without eating, so I, I can't even imagine what that's like. But, but do you see what I mean when this encore isn't quite what you expect? Jesus, instead of having this large fanfare, goes into the wilderness for a one-on-one retreat with his father. But this retreat is rudely interrupted by Satan. Again, like I said, this is a story you've probably heard before, and it's a story we face every single day. So what I want to do in our time together is walk through this powerful story and see what we can learn from Jesus. What does he do? What strategies does he take? What strategies does Satan take um, that we might see? How can we fight temptation when it strikes? Well, if you'll continue on with me uh, in verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And you're thinking to yourself as you read that, Well, duh, I live on cupcakes and coffee and pretty much anything else I can get my hands on. Well, that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. See, Satan comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, you see this rock over here? I know you're really hungry, and you can turn that into bread if you want, so go ahead, do it. But then I look at Jesus' response, and he politely asks Satan to get lost. But if you look at it, he's quoting something. Well, I want to give you a little bit of an analogy. Um, There's something that's used often in stories, and that's a flashback. A flashback is something that we get to look further into a situation or or a character um, and and find out more about what's happening. Jesus does something similar here. See, he's kind of flashing back to Deuteronomy. uh, Deuteronomy 8.3, to be exact. This time, the Israelites have been led out of Egypt by Moses. Um, They're wandering in the desert for 40 years. They're desperate for food. and, And so God gives them this bread called manna. It falls from the sky, and and they eat, and they're satisfied. But after a little while, um, the bread just wasn't cutting it in their eyes, or rather, stomachs. The Israelites complained and complained about this bread, and, and they said, if God really cared about us, he would give us something more than just this. And so God had this to respond to them. It says, He humbled you to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God told the people, look, I'm in control here. Remember what I just did for you? You can't live just on this bread. You have to live by my word. That's where you put your faith in. So 
Jesus quotes this, but if you notice, he kind of quotes the beginning of it. He says, man shall not live on bread alone. It's kind of that moment when, when you're in a worship song and the, the worship director kind of steps away from the microphone and lets everybody else finish the lyric, right? Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone. And so we finish that lyric saying, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus says, we live by the word of God. As Jesus is, is tempted by this, the story continues. It says, in verse, starting in verse 5, uh, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, see, this time Satan is giving Jesus a little bit more than just a piece of bread. He's saying, here's everything, everything in the world. That's a bit of a step up from what he was doing a second ago. But Jesus pushes on what Satan is offering. And once again, he's quoting something. I mean, for me, I think of this moment and I think of if someone came up to me and said, hey, I will give you control over Target, like the, the store, to which I would say, absolutely, I'm going to change so much. I mean, the Lego section is going to become half the store. Starbucks is free now. Everybody's happy, right? Well, Satan's offering Jesus much more than just control over his favorite store. It's everything. And yet, Jesus comes back. And he says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, he's flashing back again, and he goes to Deuteronomy 6 this time. Uh, it's a passage of encouragement but warning, uh, in a sense. Um, it's, it's talking about that same group of people, the Israelites, wandering in the desert. Um, and, and before, they were talking about you know, how they were hungry. This time, it's talking about how they were thirsty. Um, they're, they're badgering uh, Moses, and they're saying, hey, we're really thirsty, dude. Like, where is God here? Is he even with us right now? And this passage, it basically says, hey, look at all of the amazing things that you've been given, this land you own, this stuff you have. You didn't create it. God did. So worship and serve him only. They're being so worried about everything else and they forget who has created everything. Jesus knows this land was created by God. The power and authority belongs to the creator, and to try and wrestle that away from him would be foolish. Satan must have been a a wholehearted believer in the saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, because here he comes a third time. Well, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple, If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Satan has watched Jesus respond to his first two offers with scripture. So he thinks to himself, I'm going to come at him with scripture now. Well, this this scripture that he's, he's... 
quoting here, it comes from Psalm 91, 11, and 12. Uh, this psalm talks about how God is a refuge, a safe place for us to run in times of trouble, especially when our enemy is attacking us. So this psalm actually spends plenty of time talking about how God will not let the enemy win. But in a hilarious bit of irony, um, Satan is, is twisting scripture and he stops his quoting just one verse before this psalm talks about crushing the head of the serpent. Which is Satan. <laughs> you can't make this up. So Jesus responds to twist, uh, Satan's twisted scripture quoting, uh, and he quotes scripture a third time. Jesus said, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Another, another response, another quotation from scripture, and actually we're flashing back to the same passage we were a second ago, Deuteronomy 6. And like I said, the, the Israelites are thirsty. They're in the wilderness. They're saying, where is God in all of this? Which, if you think about it, is kind of ridiculous. He led them out of Egypt. They were in slavery, and now they're free, and he's leading them towards the promised land. So we get this verse that Jesus quotes, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Because you see, uh, Satan isn't tempting Jesus with just not dying. It's a little bit different. You see, where he's standing is over the center of town. Where Jesus is, if, if he were to throw himself off and have the angels catch him, then everyone would see. Everyone would know who he is. Everyone would know the power and authority that Jesus holds, which sounds great, right? Except we're missing something. That wasn't the plan. The plan was Jesus dies for our sins on the cross. And he's resurrected three days later. See, when, when Jesus flashes back to this time in Deuteronomy, these, these Israelites, they're wondering if God is even there for them. They're, they're essentially rebelling against God's, God's journey for them. God actually calls the place uh, where all of this happens Manasseh um, for the Israelites, which in their language means rebellion. So for Jesus to do this, it's that same thing. It's that same rebellion. When I was reading this passage, um, a mentor of mine, he, he reminded me of a verse in Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Three times Jesus is tempted in the desert. And all three times he comes away unscathed. We worship a God who can empathize with us. He's been where we are. He's been tempted, but he didn't sin. Even though this... this scripture was written in Hebrews, I, I feel like it could be directly connecting to what we're reading here in Luke. Our high priest, our savior, our king, tempted just like us. He knows our struggle. He, he empathizes with us. He's here to say, I know exactly how this feels. Keep going. You can get through this. 
And that is why I love this story. It's so relatable. Jesus was fully man. In this story, we see him tempted by all the very things that I'm often tempted by and, and I think we're all often tempted by. Jesus has been in my shoes. But there's a difference between me and Jesus. I don't know if you caught on to that yet. See, Jesus is faithful where we are unfaithful. Just like the Israelites, we so often give in to temptation. It's so easy to to fall into that selfishness or idolatry, sexual temptation or, or anything else that can consume us. But not Jesus. Jesus is faithful. He was tempted in the same ways that we are and he remained faithful to God. And this text, it's proof of that. It's proof that Jesus is faithful where we are unfaithful. And here Jesus is, hundreds of years later from that wilderness generation that he's talking about, the one that over and over and over fell into temptation. And here he is hundreds of years later having that same temptation brought upon him and yet he doesn't sin. That's powerful. But this text has one last piece of piece of information for us. Um, if you look at verse 13, if you have your Bibles, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Satan left. He was unsuccessful. But he's not giving up either. He waited and he waited for an opportunity to strike again. And he still waits for an opportunity to strike us as well. That is scary. And so if our enemy is waiting for a moment to strike us, then we need to be prepared. Uh, That's another reason I, I love this scripture. It's so practical. Jesus shows us exactly what it takes. He shows us what to do. Um, He's given us this playbook of sorts. Actually, if you'll look back in verse 1, we read this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. When temptation struck, what did Jesus do? Over and over again, he quotes scripture. The spirit of God and the word of God. It's two tools that God gives us every single day. Two gifts that are at our disposal, at our disposal whenever we need. And if it's what Jesus used to withstand temptation, we ought to do the same. I don't know about you, but if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me too. If we really want to be serious about this, we have to know that we're full of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Now, let me remind you of something. This doesn't happen by accident. This isn't something where you can just be like, oh yeah, I, I know scripture and I'm full of the word or full of the spirit no matter what and it doesn't take anything from me. No, this is an everyday thing. This takes effort. This takes work. But if we commit ourselves to this, the attacks of the enemy will fall short. And there will still be moments where we slip up and we fall short. But 
the great thing about that is that's not the end of the story. Because remember, Jesus is faithful where we are unfaithful. Where we may be unfaithful at times, Jesus is faithful and he's always faithful to us. And for that, I am so thankful. Would you pray with me? Dear God, um, I thank you so much for this time that we have together. The ability uh, that we have to dive into your word and and learn more about you and and how we can fight temptation when it strikes. Temptation is something we face every single day. And it's something that we're going to have to be ready for. And I pray that that we commit ourselves to diving more into the spirit and the word of God. In the coming days and the coming weeks, let's be reminded of that. In your son's name we pray.